So you can't be afraid to help, right? Can't be formally trained. I mean, listen to the Holy Spirit, though. He'll formally train you for you, right? Right. So, so that's what we're going to talk about today, is just that. It's just uh, repentance a little bit here, right? Um, so here's, here's a story. Uh, the kids uh, that attend youth, they say they always like my stories. So I have a story. It's not that funny of a story, but it is an interesting story. So I was driving down Silver Lake Road, and you guys have probably seen this if you're on the way to, to church on the street on Seymour. It says, uh, there's a scripture right in front of, I think it's the Seventh-day Adventist church. And it's changed now. But I'm going to tell you why I think the reasons it's changed. It says, repent for the kingdom of God is near, or of heaven is near. And I would drive by it, and I would think, man, you know, that's a harsh word. When I was a kid, you know, I was like 14 years old, and I was making all these trips up north. And I don't know if you guys remember this. On I-75, right around the Saginaw Steering Plant, there would be a guy, and I'm talking every Friday at 4 or 5 o'clock, there would be a sign that the guy would hang, and it would say, Repent. Every Friday. And then when I would come home Sunday, it would say, Repent. And he was the scruffiest looking dude, and he had his bicycle, you know, and I used to think, Man, what is that guy doing? And he was there for like two or three years. And then I actually noticed when he wasn't there because I always get near that Saginaw steering plant. I'm like, okay, I'm going to see the repent guy. He's always there. What's the same thing with the sign? I'm like, well, what's the point? You know, really, so repent. It's kind of a harsh word. I mean, repent from what? You know, and I thought, you know, you put a sign up like that without any explanation. Is it really going to go anywhere? You know, and then I started thinking that um, maybe that sign was there just for me. Because I actually looked after, it took me three months. Remember, I told you how the Holy Spirit, you know, like nudges people, you know. For me, he usually kicks me right in my tail. Well, kicked me right in my tail. And I thought, well, what does repent really mean? So I looked it up. Repent. And I love this. Uh, this is, in Latin, this is the definition. Repent means to Again, think or rethink. And I thought, oh, rethink. Again, think. Repent. Not, not you know, the amplified. So, so we're going to go, we're going to read uh, Matthew uh, chapter 3, verse 2. Okay. It says, in saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So replace repent with rethink. You know, we're talking about renewing. You know, the word that was given today was great because it talked about renewing. You know, a whole new year. We get to renew. We get to look forward to, to a, a new beginning for a lot of us. And this is what the Holy Spirit really spoke to me about. He told me that we, I don't know if you remember last week, we talked about being watchmen. You know, what does a watchman do? He sounds the alarm, Right? You know, back in, say, uh, medieval times, they'd have watchmen that would sit up on the, on the castle walls. And they would look out. And it was his job not to fall asleep and to sound the alarm if somebody was going to come attack. So it's the same thing. We're called to be watchmen. Why are we called to be watchmen? I mean, I think we all need to ask that. Why are we called to be watchmen? Why are we called to repent? 
And as a watchman, you have to sound the alarm. When you guys were handing out those tracks, you guys were sounding the alarm. You know, when you guys were talking to people, just making small talk, you know. Let me ask you a spiritual question, you know. if you Are you going to go to heaven or hell? Do you believe there's a heaven or hell? I mean, those are small talk, but it's interesting and it's life-changing, right? So I do know this, though, and, and looking at it is... It, Repentance is it God's desire that all should repent? It is that all should repent and know God. It's His desire. Does He say that all are going to repent, though? It doesn't say all are going to repent. Second Peter chapter three verse nine says this: It says, "The Lord does not delay, and is not tardy or slow about what He promises." according to some people's conception of slowness, but he is long-suffering. I like in parentheses it says, extraordinarily patient towards you, not desiring that any should perish, but all should turn to repentance. All should turn to think again. All should turn to rethink. You know, when I look at my Christian walk, you know, I think, man, you know, um, Pat and I were talking and he brought up a, a really good point today. Um, you know, we did like an internal survey, you know, and talked about the average Christian had been a Christian for like 15 years. So when I think of it, though, I've really only been a Christian for about eight years. Now, I've known I've been in church for, boy, am I I'm getting really old, for almost all my life, except for like from about 19 to maybe 18 to about 32. <laughs> That's where I was not there. Um, so if somebody were to ask me that question, would I say, oh, yeah, well, I've been a Christian for 35 years, 30 years, when in fact it's only been since I accepted Jesus as my Savior that I've really been a Christian, right? But it's his desire that we would all repent, that we would all rethink. When I was 33 years old, I rethought where I stood with God. And now, you know, I'm 42 now, and I'm rethinking when I talk to people, how do I talk to people? How do I water or plant or harvest? How do I do that? So he wants us to rethink the ways of our lives. I've heard it said this, and I'm just going to quote this, that true repentance comes when we change our mind about our sin, so our actions will not continue to be the same. So it's not just a matter of just changing our mind. It's our actions have to change too. You know? I mean, God, God will point out what actions are. I asked my wife this year. I said, hey, how would I do hunting? Because I noticed this year, actually last year too, that I did not make my wife cry about hunting season. Yeah. Heck yeah. I mean, I did not make her cry. And a lot of times, like, you know, hunting season for me starts, really it starts, really it doesn't ever end. It's true. It, it, it really, ask her. She, I should go, oh, it's the end of turkey season. She go, oh, what's next? <laughs> you know. So anyways, but sometimes it really ramps up, though, about September 15th, because that's when I start killing geese usually, right? And then it doesn't end. So sometimes, though, I can get her to cry by about September 17th that I'm hunting too much, or and then it was October, and then it'd be November, 
And then a couple years ago, it was like right around the end of December. And then last year, I don't think she cried about hunting at all. And this year, she didn't cry about hunting either. That's a big deal. That's a big deal for me. So I had to look at it, though. What was I placing value in? My wife and my kids? So, and is that a sin? I think if I take away from my wife, I think it is. Because I think really what it points out to me is that I'm being selfish, right? And I think that's, that's the soil of sin right there, selfishness, right? So um, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, verse 10. I love what God says about this. It says, godly sorrow brings repentance. That leads to salvation. Isn't that cool? Rethinking leads to salvation, right? And it leaves no regret, but worldly sorrows bring death. That rethinking is such a big deal. Um, You know, we talked about the eternal issues, you know, sparking the conversation, getting out there and actually talking to people. You know, what a big deal that really is. How we're supposed to be doers and just not... You know, it, it, or we have to be doers and speakers. We can't just let it fall on deaf ears. Paul the Apostle said this in 1 Corinthians. I got lots of scripture here today. Um, I love to back up the word that I give with scripture. Because if I don't, then it's just me talking, you know. So if you guys had your Bibles, your thumbs will get wore out trying to find them. But uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 16 for when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. Our lives have to preach it, right? But our words have to too. You know, it's such a big deal. He does it out of compulsiveness. He does it because he's compelled. You know, Pat this morning was compelled to talk to you guys about it's a new year, speaking life into each other. You know, I know uh, you guys know little Sophie. My little, she's like my little two-year-old. She's like a fireball. You know, that girl could not stand me for about, I don't know, about four or five months. And it was bugging me a lot. I mean, I got six kids, you know. All my kids really like me. This one, though, she would, she'd cry if I held her, cried if I walked near her, near her you know. Um, didn't matter if I had a piece of candy for her. She grabbed a candy run, and then if I walked toward her, she'd run the other way. I said, do you love your daddy? No! Then she'd take off, you know. I mean, talk about driving a dagger through your heart. And I'm like, Kristen, I don't think this one's going to turn around. And she's like, Christopher, you have to speak life into her. So now when she has her breakdowns, Kristen says, you need to talk to your daughter, and I can get her to settle down, change how she is, rethink her actions. And isn't that how God is? He sets us down, talks to us if we listen, and has us rethink and change our actions. You know, if, if I don't proclaim what God has to my neighbor, if I don't talk to my friends about what God has for them, am I honoring God? You know, it's just like standing in the gap like we talked with John thirteen thirty five. you know, a friend. You know, the love for one another, for a friend, for a neighbor, for somebody you don't even know. The message uh, 
It says this, uh, the same, the same um, 1 Corinthians, but listen to how, how it's worded. It says, if I proclaim the message, it's not to get something out of it for myself. I'm compelled to do it, and I'm doomed if I don't. Gosh, that's a harsh word, the whole doomed. Repentance feels like a harsh word when I read it, you know, because I need to repent on a lot of things, not just one or two things, right? So we have to be compelled to, to, um, to share our faith. Um, here, so here's the deal. You guys are called to be watchmen, but you're not called to be gatekeepers. What's the difference between a watchman and a gatekeeper? Watchman sounding the alarm, right? The gatekeeper is letting people in. As Christians, we've got to be really careful about that. You know, um, one of the things that, you know, in studying on witnessing, I mean, I study because I want to be prepared, right? Um, what's one thing that you can really learn about God on? How about his law, right? How about the Ten Commandments? What if, I'm just going to read you a few here. Exodus 20. So let's just, let, I'll just go through like, uh, like, well, I should go through almost all, all of them here. Okay, so love your God, you know, no other God before me. That's a biggie. Don't commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not testify falsely against your neighbor. Honor your mother and father. Where are my kids? <laughs> right, right, right. Um, do not covet your house's or your neighbor's house. How about when the Joneses get something and you got to have something just like the Joneses, right? You know? I do not covet your neighbor's wife or donkey. It's, it's kind of fun. I always, I love reading some of these, you know. Or their ox. Dude, you got a nice ox. I want your ox. All right, so... So, but, but what are you saying, though, here? That's funny. It is, uh, you know, he is saying this. You've got to be careful with God's law, right? Because what if you had a conversation with somebody and you said, so have you ever lied? Ripke, have you ever lied? Yeah. Um, you, have you ever, uh, well, have you ever coveted something that your neighbor has. Yeah, I can't. Okay. Uh, what if it was uh, somebody that was, say, in the, in the service? Have you ever killed anybody? A lot of servicemen have, right? How about verbally kill somebody? Ever verbally kill somebody? Yeah, gossip, you know, whatever. Well, what if you didn't present the gospel of Christ after that and you just made somebody feel guilty they have no reason why to come to the Lord because all you did was make him feel lousy. Now, now the guy that says that he's good enough, right, because he's led a perfect life, that he thinks he's led one. Now you've pointed out the reason. You point your finger right at him. You said, you have did this, this, and this. You are not perfect. The reason why you thought you could get into heaven, now you can't. And it's because God says so right here. But what if you never went to the New Testament? And you just left it there on the table. And all you've did is become a gatekeeper. You've told him that the gate's closed. And he can't get in. And reality is he can't get in. Except for one, one thing that God did. 
when he sent his son here to die for us. And he said that if we believe in him, that we can have eternal life through him. I mean, that's powerful stuff, right? You know, I think so much Christians do more damage to other people than ungodly people do to other people because of that. So we're going to get into more of that. So, so what I like to do, though, is, uh, like you said, you know, I like to back up Scripture. I like Scripture, though, that shows the good and the bad. You know, it says God's plan and then what man's plan is. So we're going to look at, and I really love, uh, like, the major prophets, you know, and I like the minor ones, too. So we're going to look at Ezekiel. Ezekiel's a crazy, if you guys have never read Ezekiel. Yeah, that's... That's some uh, funky stuff. So, but we're going to go to Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 1 through 6. All right. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, speak to your people and say to them, When I bring the sword against the land, and the people of the land choose one of their men and make him their watchman. And he sees the sword coming against the land and blows the trumpet to warn the people. Then if anyone hears the trumpet but does not heed the warning, I think that's key, but does not heed the warning, the sword comes and takes their life and their blood will be on their own head. Since they heard the sound of the trumpet but did not heed the warning, their blood will be on their own head. He says it twice. If they had heeded the warning, they would have saved themselves. But here's the, here's the getcha. Verse 6. But if the watchman sees the sword's coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people and the sword comes down and takes someone's life, the person's life will be taken because of their sin. But I will hold the watchman accountable for their blood. And that's hard right there. You know, I had a conversation with a really cool guy uh, at the end of the service last year. And he said, you know, like six months ago, you know, I had an opportunity to stand up and I just, you know, I fell short, you know. I mean, we all fall short, right? But it's rethinking. It's putting ourselves in that same position again and then doing the right thing, right? Figuring out, God always, I told him too, I said, you know, the cool thing is God will always retest you. He's always going to give you another opportunity to try again, you know. I mean, he does that with me every day. He gives me another opportunity to do it. Um, And it's up to me, though. You know, I put here, it's a heavy responsibility. Because God's enlightened you with knowledge that you can either cover or you can share. So I put down, always sound the alarm. You know, Always look for that little opportunity to, to talk to a, a hunter like, like Keith does. You know, Keith's always looking. Or if you see a book on a guy's, guy's shelf or uh, one of my customers, you know, I always get a chance. It seems like, hey, what's that chicken soup for the soul? You girls always have something like that hanging around. And usually I can say, oh, so what's up with that book? You read that, you know? So um, always look for those things, right? Uh, the Holy Spirit speaks to me about this. He, he says this, says that my outward actions, if I'm right, if I'm righteous, if I'm operating, you know, in, in the Holy Spirit, then my, they match my inward 
thoughts. But like with my boys, I always tell them they're always leading by example. With the Dickerson kid, you got about a, I'm going to speak life into it. You got a 100% chance that he's going to lead by example in the positive. There's a chance. There's always a chance. Remember, I can't remember that movie where it says, what are the chances of me marrying you? About one in a million. The guy says, so there's a chance. There's a chance, you know. Right, so you're telling me there's a chance. The same thing with my kid. You know, so speaking life into him, though, right? So there's, a, there's always a chance. Um, but that outward action has to match your in, inward because people will see right through it if it doesn't. If you're just walking the walk, if they're not talking it, or conversely, you're talking it, you know. John's got some good stories about being at the bar and being able to talk to somebody. And I've heard this from a lot of different guys about God, you know, while they're, while they're taking a shot, you know. But how many know, though, that God's word never falls void, right? I mean, never. So even through crappy circumstances that we put ourselves into, I said it again, honey. He's, he is not here, though. I'm okay. So all you kids, that's not appropriate. So, <laughs> right, right, right. So, um, but anyways, but he always works with the, the situations that we put ourselves in. Yeah. Okay, so, uh, so let's move on to another one here. Um, let's go to First Peter, uh, chapter 1. 13 through 15. And I love what Peter the Apostle says here. He says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. So let's just stop right there. Sober. A clear mind, right? It's a clear mind. You're ready for everything when you're sober. You're not fogged up, right? You're on point. Fix your hope completely on the grace he brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Obedient children, do not conform to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy. Be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Yeah. God always gives us that. People call it a road map, direction. He always shows us what we should do, and then he gives us the opportunity to either do it or not. So, guys, remember the uh, the video. You know, I love what he said at the very end. Well, I'm not I'm not formally trained as a theologian. <laughs> Me either. Me either. You know, but I'm not formally trained in a lot of things. I'm not formally trained to hunt. I'm not formally trained to be a stonemason. You know, not formally trained to be a husband, you know, or a father. I'm not formally trained to be a a lot of things, but I get by. I figure a way to do it. You know, the Holy Spirit puts something inside you to share the life that Christ has given you. And to be a light. I made a note here that says that I would rather have five I'd rather have a guy that knows five scriptures inside and out believes them with his whole heart than having a guy that's read 
through the Bible dozen times but doesn't have any life because he knows the word, right? That guy knows it, but does he have wisdom? You know, if the guy with five scriptures has wisdom, knowledge on those five scriptures, I take that guy over the guy that has all the knowledge, but he doesn't have any wisdom because he's not putting any of it to, to use. Even though he's more educated, I've met a lot of people that have went to theology school or, or even have had it in class, in college. I have. I took a couple, you know. About halfway through it, I thought, there's some funky stuff here, because <laughs> there is. But still, you know, I want somebody that's sold out for Christ. I want somebody that, that knows what the Bible says, can walk it, can talk it, can live it, Right? that's full of the Spirit, that allows God to move in you and through you, right? Those are the ones to hang out with. So Joshua, Prophet Joshua said this in Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. He says, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. He's talking to the Israelites here, and he's telling them that they need to purify themselves to sanctify themselves, if you will. They needed to spiritually prepare what God was going to do in their lives. When we're in the Word, whether it's a sentence, whether it's a chapter, you're preparing for something. You don't know what it might be. You know, it might be iron sharpens iron like a friend sharpens a friend. You know, I mean, it might, it might be, you know, your, your scripture today. You know, John thirteen thirty five. I mean, what a great scripture. I mean, it, but you're being active and you're preparing for something. And you're purifying yourself. Granted, you're not earning anything but you're preparing, you're cleansing, right? So my question is, what are you prepared to do for the Lord this year? You know, I mean, you got to go forward. Yeah, everybody goes forward. Time brings you forward. But do you take steps positively or negatively? You're going to step out of your comfort zone into something new? For me, I love change. My wife, not so much. <laughs> you know, yeah. The biggest change this year, I think, was at Christmas, I figured out a lot of the gifts to get the kids, which is amazing, right? That was a change that she could handle. But say a job change or a, uh, a money change, you know, things aren't so good, or a budget change, you know, or maybe a big budget. I think she'd be okay with that if the budget got bigger, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm believing that, right? So anyways, but, um, but those things, those changes, you know, that's scary for some people. I'm willing to make every change that I got to make. It means to have an even better marriage because I think I got a great marriage and I got a great girl, that's for darn sure. So we have to, we have to be ready for a change or we have to strive for the change. Um, here's what I would really suggest, though. You got to stay in God's word. 
It just doesn't mean that you know the Bible. It means you got to read it. I mean, you got to be part of it. It has to be part of your life. I mean, when I first got saved, you know, one of the things I did, I had Nick Mihailoff, some of you guys might know him. Uh, he said, Chris, read Psalms and read Proverbs. And everybody else is telling me to read John, right? So I thought, well, you know what? I'll, I'll read what I have to read. So I'll, just, I'll start reading both. And I tell you what, I got so much life out of Proverbs because Proverbs was slapping me in my face a lot. It was telling me what I needed to do, but it gave me a lot of wisdom. You know, it gave me knowledge, but it gave me wisdom on action things that I could do. It made John even that much better when I read that because I could see the relationship between the two. But if I'm not in the Word, is that going to even matter? If you're looking for a life change, are you, have you been able to do it on your own to this point? Do you need some help? If you're not going to be in this, that's a really hard place to start because you're going to be relying on people to change you and not the Holy Spirit to change you. And I'm talking to myself. I mean, I know what it means to have to change. Just like with my daughter, you know, I had to speak life into her. When I read this, God speaks life into me. Even if I don't feel like I have enough time and it's just two verses that I read. But I can meditate on that, right? And why else would I be in this? It's for preparation. It's to have an intellectual conversation with somebody about Jesus Christ. That's the only reason. Other than to fill my soul. That I, if I get, you know, just like, just like Jesus said, you know, if 99 sheep are okay, but that one runs off, he goes and gets that one because that one is so valuable, right? I used to love what Pastor Jim said when we did the big, Easter plays. He said, if just one person will come to salvation, the thousands and thousands of dollars will be worth every penny. Yeah. So that's what it's about. So here's the thing about God's word, though. God's word is harsh. It is strict. That's what people will tell you. And you know what? People are right. God's word is harsh. God's word is strict. It's offensive. It really can be. I mean, a lot of unbelievers, the word says it's going to be offensive, right? But in, in this world, what do we live in? We live in a world where it's, we're pacified. You know, at our house we call it a binky. You know, when you're not feeling it, when Sophie's not feeling it, she's grouchy, jam a binky in her mouth. Sometimes it at least quiets the crying. <laughs> it might not solve it. But that's the world that we live in. We live in a big pacifier land, right? But here's the thing about God's word. It's holy. It's pure. This is the big part. It's hopeful. And it's loving. And how many of you guys have been touched by God? How many of you guys know that that word is loving? That it's changed you, Ken? I mean, it continues to change you. You know, when the word says that we're the clay, 
right? We're not the guy shaping it. We're just the clay. God's shaping us in a loving, in a hopeful, in a joyful way. He's doing it purely, and he's doing it wholly, right? And above all else, God's word is saving. I mean, it is saving, right? So, you know, I, I, have, a, I have like three other scriptures, and then we're going to be done. It's really hard trying to fit them all in, but I think it's really important, you know. I'm kind of an aggressive guy, you know. I mean, I have my own business. Um, I can follow. I never really choose to lead, but people follow me a lot, you know. Um, and that's okay, you know. But because of that, you know, I look at the word of God, you know, and it says it's a sword. Now, I can, I can go with aggressive things in my head, you know. I can, oh, yeah, it's a sword. Yeah, that's cool. You know, you can wield a sword. You know, you can swing it, right? God's word's a sword, though. But it's got two edges, right? Sword's got two edges. It can cut. But it can cut two ways, too. Good or bad. So I think we have to make sure that we're armed. And Joshua, again, chapter 1, verse 8, says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You know, God uses the prophet Joshua to relay this message. It says, But you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to what all is written in it. For then you, you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. So it's okay to talk to somebody about the law if you're aware of the... You know, if you're aware of what the law really means, right? It even says that we're going to be prosperous. It tells us to meditate on it, that we'll have success. But keep in mind, though, that it's not for you to determine what success is. Because then you're being the gatekeeper again, right? Sometimes I wish I was the gatekeeper, you know? I could say, man, I need... I need an extra thousand bucks, Lord, right now. But I'm not. So let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. This kind of keeps the, the latter one in check, though. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. So we can't twist our scripture into having it not lawful, right? But what did Jesus come to do? Did he come to abolish the law, to get rid of the law? How many of you guys realize that through Christianity, especially through the, through, um, the Ten Commandments, that there's a moral compass in the lives of almost everybody in the world? You know, don't murder, don't steal, don't cheat, right? Don't lie. I mean, these are all just good moral things not to do, Right? But how about this? You have to know what Jesus did to complete it. Right? So let's go to John chapter John chapter 1, verse 17. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. You know, it's just not enough to know the law. You have to know that his grace and his mercy covers everything. It's not something that can be earned like a law. Right? The law you can earn. 
Anybody ever try to earn grace? You can earn mercy from somebody, right? I mean, whenever I think about mercy, I always think about somebody yelling sanctuary. Anybody? Yeah, like old Western movies, you know. Somebody yelling sanctuary and then running into the church because you can't shoot up the church, right? So you can earn mercy, but can you earn grace? That's like the biggest gift, and you have to accept it, right? And how you learn it, though, is through God's Word, crying out for help to Him. So a renewal. How many of you guys need a renewal? I need a renewal every single day. You know, a renewal of maybe how you've seen other Christians act. Maybe a renewal of just how you need your actions to be so you can affect the ones that you love. You know? How about a renewal of just not beating yourself up for your failures? My dad used to always tell me, he says, Chris, you can't be afraid to fail because you'll never win. I mean, back when I was like 12 or 13 playing ball, man, I didn't want to hear that, man. All I wanted to do was win. But the effort to try to win means so much more than the actual victory a lot of the times. I mean, you know, Shane knows. You know, it's, it's, it's a big deal, right? So the action of that, we knew that renewal. We knew it. We need it every single day. Jesus asks us to trust him. You know, it's, the word already says that all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. So we all know that we're sinners. But he also says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. Saved. Believe in what he did, dying on a cross. That there isn't one thing that you guys could have done that he won't forgive. And you think of Brandon. Are we the gatekeepers for Brandon? We are not the gatekeepers for Brandon. We're not. We're not the gatekeepers for anybody ourselves. Right? Yes, but we are the watchmen. So let's pray, you guys. Father, your mercy is so great. Your grace is so huge, Lord. You desire to touch every single one of us. You desire us all to rethink and repent. You desire us to throw all of our sin at your feet. And here's the thing, though. Lord, you you desire us not to look back and wear it every single day. Just like my dad said, God, it has to be from you that we can't be afraid to fail or else we'll never win. You give us the opportunity every day to win in salvation by accepting a gift not having to earn it. For a lot of us, Lord, that's a hard thing to do is to realize there's not one thing that we can do to earn it because we live in a world where you have to earn everything, respect, money, honor, and you give it freely, God. What an awesome thing. 
this year, Lord, we're going to ask for a renewing of the mind. I love the word that says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. All things are old. We only got new things here, Lord. If there's anybody here that needs to know Christ as their Savior, that believes that he died on a cross for you, that he was punished for your sin. This is where you get to be selfish because you get to claim Christ as your Savior, that he rose again three days later to prove even the grave couldn't keep him down, that he walked the earth again, and the word says that he's coming. says for us to repent. Father, you're awesome and we thank you for your son. We thank you that he did die for us individually and collectively, Lord. Help us to one another as you would have us love each other, Lord. How you love us is amazing. And God, I thank you for another year Thank you for just what you're going to do in this church and in churches around the country and around the world, Lord. Help us to unite. And Father, just draw us closer. Help us to hear your voice. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, again and again and again. And teach us your ways and your word. In Jesus' name. Amen.